Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a periodic discussion with guests from around the But Why Though writing community, brought together under one roof to discuss the latest happenings in nerd pop culture community. My name is Aaron, and today I'm joined by our editor-in-chief and Memo Ochoa's number one supporter, Kate. And my, Hi! <laughs> and my resident English compatriot and three lions diehard, Matt. Hello. All right, so this we're week back. we are going to... We're back. It's been yeah, a little we, while. Yeah, we had a week off there to deal with things. <laughs> Just a few things. Yeah. Well, this week we are going to be diving into um, some of the latest news, which there hasn't been a ton about. So we decided we'll talk some World Cup. Why not? We're in the throes of the World Cup. It's fun. We're enjoying it. Why not? We'll get a, a bit more into that. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Gaming Awards as well. Uh, our weekly topic covers the release of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and whether or not fun should outweigh a broken game. Plenty of examples to come with that one. And lastly, Kate, Matt and myself will give some thoughts on some of the great things that we've been watching this week. So let's dive into our weekly news and let's get started on the World Cup just because it's fantastic and it really has gripped the world uh matt kate what are your thoughts so far on world cup fever i'm gonna go first because i probably know the least about world cup of everybody and i'm just here to support mexico complain that chicharito wasn't chosen for the world cup team uh and <laughs> and say that memo ochoa is my favorite team in the world cup right now uh, because I'm a Mexico fan and there's nobody else doing work on that team. He's the only one that can actually find a target. Uh, yeah, so that, I, I've been excited. I've been probably more engaged than I ever have been in a World Cup. Um, and like my family has watched it for a while. We've always supported Mexico. But I think like, I don't know, this year seems different in a, in, in, I don't know, in a, in a weird way. Maybe it's the Discord because we have like World Cup channel going. But it's it's definitely very different. So if you're not a sports fan or if you're like like Kate and you're, you know, watching the World Cup for the first time, I mean, we're in a winter World Cup. This has never happened. I mean, this yes. is literally history. Right, it's terrible it's terrible history, it's but terrible yes. Terrible history. <laughs> yes, but it is. Yes. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, and there's a whole like story behind that with you know how uh, Qatar had like bid for the World Cup and the corruption of FIFA. If you want to deep dive into that. There is a lot of content there. I recommend John Oliver's done some great stuff, uh, backstories on FIFA and, you know, some of the stuff that's gone on there. It's, it's, it's yeah, and I will say, like, to preface all of this, we're going to talk about World Cup. All of us know about all of the various human rights abuses. All of us know how bad Qatar and, like, FIFA in general is. And I'm very happy a lot of them are in jail and or being prosecuted, although more should have been. Um, that's the preface to say we get that. We know that. Also, soccer. We didn't. We, we're not sports ball people who just found out about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Which I and I think that like there's like there has to be an understanding too. I think especially like from the U.S. perspective, like soccer, football, it's it's treated very differently here. And I think for a lot of people who have different backgrounds that aren't necessarily like just American or like specifically white American. Like, we're connected to cultures and histories that are connected very deeply to the sport. 
and like playing and representing. So getting to see countries put on a large stage, especially countries that are usually disparaged, um, it means a lot and it's really cool. So I, I, as you listen to this and if you rolled your eyes, skip forward <laughs> if you don't want to hear it. But also, yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, and like you said, it, it it's hard because of, you know, the geopolitical nature of everything kind of going on around it. And some of the commercials are really hard to like grin and bear through, especially the promotional material. It's like, so obviously I'm excited because England's had, we had a great Euro run. Um, still disappointed in that ending, but you know, we made it there very well. So it came into a lot. And obviously, like I said, this was just last year. So we had a lot of momentum going. So you didn't even have the two year break, which also is kind of what we see. Obviously game one done, one, six, two, great. Obviously, by the end of this podcast, when it releases, we'll find out whether that was good or bad because the game against the, the crappy U.S. on Friday, and we'll figure <laughs> that out. But, no, I was excited because it was a really good shot. Between Even in 2018, it had a pretty good run under the Euros. Like, it's been good. And as you can attest, England, for the our childhood, I guess, to growing up, has been very much in the, we're there, but we're there for a participation trophy at this point, pretty much. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> utter agony being an England fan honestly it, it, it's terrible just because like for so long it's kind of the expectation of like yeah but we've got the Premier League like like there's certain countries that are always known for a style like of player style something that they're known for within soccer and English has always been like the stout English defending and just like you know charging through the middle kind of thing and you know like you know just playing like we the inventors of the game and all that stuff but like it's it, we, we just have never had any ambition it's almost like the entitlement of showing up i'm like oh yeah we're gonna win of course we're gonna win and then not making any effort to actually win the games was um, that your rich englishman voice yes yeah. you must money oh, i lost in <laughs> vegas when they played it was just so oh, bad my god well it's it's worse as a because you're just like they didn't even try like it just if you lose and you played well, and you did the best. You, that's all most I think fans could care about. Like, just make a genuine effort. But there were so many games I've watched of England, like didn't even try. It's just almost like they were like, "Man, I didn't really want to get hit, so I just didn't try that hard." And it was it's awful bad. to watch. I mean, it's the only just... good thing was, if at all times though, we were still better than the U.S., which made it great. But <laughs> also, like, you knew you weren't competing. <laughs> For anything this else. Is, this isn't a U.S. Man, men's national team friendly podcast for those wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 been horrible, especially when it comes to penalties. Like, our history uh, of penalties. Anytime England goes to penalties, I'm like, okay, we lost. Yeah, like, and game's exactly what over. happened in the Euros right off the bat. I was like, no, we're screwed. I still remember my first international tournament I ever watched was the Euros in 96, and England actually hosted... We got to the semifinals against Germany, and I was 11, full of hope and optimism. Uh, and then we, we, Gareth Southgate, the now England manager, blew the penalty and lost us the game. And I don't think I've ever been more crushed. And I just, I, it just darkened my soul from that day on. And I was just like, okay, this is a cruel sport, and I have to harden up. So, so the best part about brutal. this is the best part about this is I remember seeing the tweet of men go and they decide the favorite sport team at eight ten and then be miserable for the rest of their life, and then we just prove this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say the funny thing to add to commiserate in the misery. Um, I never knew that World Cup was a month long. I, I didn't think 
that it was that long of a thing. Because I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and everybody was Mexico fans, and we don't make it past the group of 16. <laughs> so I just yeah. thought the World Cup was done after, like, a week. <laughs> so my world opened up in college when I realized that that wasn't the case. Which um, it, it's it's such a, a crazy thing with Mexico as well, because they're always regarded as, like, awesome team to watch they're really fun i mean hell i remember watching them in 2014 we're just really aggressive yeah yeah well i remember watching in 2014 when you played against brazil and ochoa just had that amazing he was like oh he doesn't play for any team and you're like how does he not play for any team he's amazing i I was going off on a soliloquy about ochoa and then matt was just like yeah but you can't win with a goalie you can draw with a goalie yeah i was like oh Stops Which, the goals and memo, keeps you in the game. With memo stopping Lewandowski's PK, though. Like, I jumped up and was screaming. Like, it is... He is a wall. And I am very proud that we have reclaimed that phrase for Memo Ochoa, who is resuscitated <laughs> once every four years when the World <laughs> Cup happens by some Mexican brujeria <laughs> somewhere. I was going to say, and stopping <laughs> Lewandowski is no easy feat as no, well. Yeah. The man's a goal-scoring machine. I will yeah, say... The I, la- I imagine... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the last thing for me, I, uh, like, as much as we are, we are not a United States men's national team podcast, I am excited that they're here. I hope they choke, but I'm happy they're here because the, the, the atmosphere of, like, just going out and doing something or being around and watching World Cup changes when your country's involved, even if they are terrible. And it was funny because we talk about the 2018, they weren't there. So obviously I met Kate back in 2014 and I, you know, had a great time, obviously. So you had to drink, I got you had to, to drink watch a, Brazilians cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, oh, that was amazing yes, when was Germany great. just destroyed them. Yeah. I saw just a grown man with his shirt. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, obviously we went to a Brazil bar to watch Brazil and Germany, which was clearly a mistake for some people. Uh, but no, so then 2018 came, and so obviously I was enjoying because England was winning for a while there and didn't care. But then Kate like would show up and do whatever, and it was like, why is what what happened to all the thing? And I was like, the U.S. isn't playing, so unless you go to yeah. a very specific bar that cheers for a very specific country that is, they're they're dead. And she just didn't understand it, and I was like, yeah, that's this is what happened. So like them being around now, even though I hope they lose in the group stage. It's still good because that means it's just the atmosphere and the general thing and the heartbreak of watching grown people cry is a thing. <laughs> I want to watch some Americans cry when they get kicked out of the group stage. That I want to be at a bar for that. I'm hoping to come Friday. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know the result, but I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just and if unleash and the if you want to know why, if you want to know why, you can listen to Aaron and mine's review of Good Rivals, the documentary, Amazon's documentary of the U.S. Mexico rivalry, which is out now on Prime Video, and our review is up on YouTube. But yeah, I th- I think the the final thing for me as far as the World Cup, I, I just love the drama, like all these different cultures coming together, playing, like you see countries going against each other that never played before and some countries make it in for the first time after decades of not being in it and it's just culmination of again just all the drama i love it whales showing up and tying the u.s after not being in it for like 70 years and basically takes a non-called red card to stop garth bale from scoring another goal at the end gareth i don't care um (laughs) i still i still find it baffling that the last person to score on Wales in a World Cup was Pele. 
I was like, what? Yeah. So that, the last so that threw was... me off because I knew that yeah. they had been doing the Euros and obviously between time in the last like yeah. three years, I had known because Bale had been around. Well, he'd been carrying literally that country on his back. And so I, when they said like, oh, they haven't done anything in the world. I was like, oh, they did. For a long time. I was like, yeah. oh, no. Scotland and Ireland and obviously England have been in it, you know, multiple times. But Wales have not been in a World Cup for a long time. And the last person to score against Wales, uh, against Wales was Pele. So when jo- wow. George Weir had scored, they were like, apparently Pele had actually sent George Weir a message and said, congratulations. I was like, that would blow my mind. <laughs> wow. Screw scoring the goal, getting a message from Pele. I was like, wow. So I will say the one thing I've enjoyed is that if you don't know about how the game, like the games are played like at the time of the country that they are in for obvious reasons, games in the U.S. start at 4 a.m. Central Time. So, like, we're missing the first two. So my favorite thing has been waking up to games that I that everybody thought was just going to be a blowout Argentina. and either seen a draw or a win and just utter chaos in our Discord <laughs> World Cup the chat. The Discord's been so fun. So Discord.gg slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. You can join it. And, like, it's like if I'm asleep during a game, there's an upset. Saudi Arabia beat Argentina for Messi's final world cup and then japan and germany because everybody's just losing their absolute collective self in the discord chat of like i can't believe this happening and i'm like half awake matt's asleep and i'm just like oh i need to sleep more often (laughs) just a just a good habit for life yeah upsets upsets (laughs) in this world cup which could be for a number of reasons I love a but. good, I love a good World Cup upset. You, it's so easy to just root for the underdog against like some of these powerhouse like teams. It's, it's very fun to do. But if you've been enjoying the World Cup, we strongly encourage you to join our Discord and uh, talk with us about what's going on because it's been so much fun. It, it, it is a, just a good laugh and it's, it's a good community event to kind of bring people together over the chaos. So next, we want to talk about the Gaming Awards, uh, which the nominees were just recently announced. So, Kate, what were the nominees for the Gaming Awards this year? Yeah, so the Game Awards takes place December 8th, and they release their nominees, which in a shock to no one is dominated by single-player games and those produced by Sony. Um, so we have a Plague Tale Requiem for Game of the Year. Or for, for Game of the Year, we have a Plague Tale Requiem. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, ultimately, one of the things that you that I wanted to bring up and kind of some of the things that like I have an issue with is the Game Awards were dominated by a handful of games, particularly Elden Ring, Ragnarok, and Horizon. Um, I think one of the good things was stray getting nominated for best indie and game of the year but as you'll notice there aren't there isn't a lot of love everywhere else um i know matt you have had pretty strong opinions on the game awards in the past so i when i became a coherent like i get teenager and realized what was going on in the world and i was like oh game awards these are cool i talk about them with friends but now i have official stuff and then i learned that basically um, exclusives count and so I've been an anti-exclusive person for years and that's when I gave up on the Game Awards and this is probably going on almost 20 years now because at the end of the day you can't tell me something that's exclusive to a platform that not everybody can enjoy it's the best game possible game it could be no idea can't play half of them 
And also for you to say, just go buy one. Yeah, well, you can donate me $600, and then I'll go buy your stupid console. Until well, it's really it, it's really similar to like the argument that got used for like putting inaccessible games on for Game of the Year. If people can't play the game, why does it get to be a Game of the Year? That translates to, if I can't play it on my console... Yeah, um, obviously the other issue at the end of the day would, I mean, for this cool, I mean, but big games have always dominated and that's another reason it's been a turnoff because it is very much of like the larger studios, which also sponsor most of these events, by the way, yeah. <laughs> um, get most of the nominees for fair because I mean, some of these games are fantastic, don't know, but sure. And then also it, and it usually comes down to also a very specific game type, which is what we see here of uh, it's usually a single player, very quote-unquote narrative driven or do whatever and that's what we get and you can argue that all of these games are that and so like as a person who plays 4x games and plays a lot of different other games we're like the horror of gaming if nobody cares about us no matter how but good i would like to are. point out that if you look up the advisory board so the advisory board not sponsors the advisory board which to quote from their website the advisory board helps guide and advance the mission of the Game Awards. There are people, including the icon Hideo Kojima and Phil Spencer. He is in here too. Um, but then you have whole companies like Epic Games, Rockstar, and Sony Entertainment. Like as an entity. Mm. Not somebody from those companies, but the company itself. And then when you get into like the sponsors for it, you end up with pretty much the same issue it, it's frustrating i think especially as like i've gotten older i've moved away from like only playing triple a games and then also just like realizing how much exclusive titles and how much single player games will always take everything when like there is a massive amount of talent and creativity that goes into co-op games that goes into multiplayer games that go into games that aren't just narrative based not narrative based but like story driven like there's a lot of work that goes into 4x strategy games there's a lot of work that goes into mmos like it it feels weird to me that the category that the game of the year category consistently ends up being just this one thing like the fact that splatoon isn't up for anything is really weird to me uh given how well it was received it's also before Pokemon, Splatoon was the second highest video game launch in all of Japan history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the sponsors for the Game Awards or official partners are EA, Epic Games, PlayStation, Sega, Tencent, and Ubisoft. Jesus. Yeah. But no, it is very much of like kind of like with, I mean, with movies and everything else, but basically the single player story based, maybe half open world, half not, is basically the Oscar bait of video games. Some of them are yeah. good, great. Some of them are overrated, sure. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that win the awards, and they're the ones that do it. Um, and so, I mean, it's fine. Cool. Glad for you. Because I think, what, Sekiro 2 thing won it last year? And yeah, it Sekiro swept last year for the most part. Yeah. I I assume Elden Ring to do it again, and I want it to. Yeah, I don't want God of War to win anything. It's a shame, isn't it? Because, like, for smaller studios, like, something like the gaming awards can make a massive difference like it really yeah. like getting those accolades can really help out and bring you know attention to a larger audience yeah of like and i think that that's 
And I think that that's why they ended up carving out, like, they have a best indie debut game and, like, stuff like that. So, to be fair, I was incorrect because Heroes the year before. But It Take Two was last year, and so that, but that was also the darling that we talked about, the underdog run, like we talked about for everybody. But in your average year, it is dominated by this because I believe if, like, the game, the players won, which people try to act like it's going to be the balanced one, which is kind of what they do in film, um, I think it ended up being, like, yeah. Halo. Yeah. Um, and they have other, like, they do have other things. They have debut indie, best community support, mobile, VR, AR, action, action-adventure, role-playing. So it does end up, like, sectioning out things. Like, best fighting game has, like, like dojos and stuff. But the thing that I, I also rubs me the wrong way is, like, last year and I think even the year before, a lot of the awards were presented off-screen. So, like, the only awards that really got, like, highlighted were the ones of, like, the games that everybody already knew. And that's the thing that's, like, immensely frustrating. And it's the same thing you see with, like, the Game Awards Future Class. Like, most of the Future Class, which is, like, established from the Game Awards to highlight creatives and journalists in gaming that, like, have a trajectory, a lot of the times it's already people with massive followings. And, like, that's something that's, So like, I'm glad you brought really that up. Because I never understood the future class because everyone I've announced, I'm like, but I already know you. And you've already been, like, yeah. you're already big. Like, well, who, because what's the, the future? Fu future class is a popularity contest. Well, that, I that's that. all it is. Okay, that's my thought. Like, it, it's a popularity contest. It, it bugs me to no end because they're all people who have already had very established careers, are already doing big things. And it's, like, okay how about you like look at new talent so I, I was wondering that but anyways to put this thing I, I mean it's cool i'm glad these games will get to celebrate um i will say for the one category that i did vote for and cared for in my 4x for basically the best strategy sim game i was happy with the choices for what came out um, i think it was dune spice wars which i played quite a bit of um two point campus which was also pretty good and then um Victoria 3, which I'll talk about later in the third section, which is also fantastic. And then I think it was Warhammer, one of the 15 million Warhammer games, and then Mario Rabbits, which I think has also got very good praise for stuff. But to be I fair, I feel like Mario the two, Rabbids. even the, I still think about the Take Two, and I feel like that's just like they throw in the, like the stray of this year is now the stray of Take Two. Oh, but. yeah. The stray is just Take Two. Yeah. Well, and then uh, Take Two, or Stray won game of the year for golden joysticks and people were pissed they were mad because it wasn't god of war and i'm just like i hope you all cry i hope stray or elden green elden ring ruins everything this for is you very so is, 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 is it not to, to be fair aaron i did not know i was gonna get this intensity from kate about these awards <laughs> i just kind of said i didn't care about that i love it just, just just why you guys here go, i hope you all are crying <laughs> It's, to it's, be fair, it, even their company sucks at this point based yes, on crying on the They're fucking Microsoft. Your whole entire bid against Microsoft, you read your company policies to the FTC about what Microsoft's going to do. The big issue when it comes to Sony is it is it, it dominates so much of the conversations. It bullies out indies. And then you have the entire factor where like Sony gets propped up for having exclusives and now that Microsoft's getting exclusives, they go, no, not like that. Don't get exclusives like that. I hope all of them cry and i hope all of their playstations fall and stop it's it's crazy because obviously like i am very light in the world of gaming <laughs> not kind of like you guys you're a betrayer <laughs> from picking up a playstation i don't know why we allowed you on this podcast because <laughs> i've got an accent um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's crazy to see the level of like 
you know, I use the loose term, like stand them, like how people go to bat it's and people so go bad. to fight and get so aggressive. Like, oh, you know, if God of War doesn't win, and I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't understand the care. level of it. Like if I enjoyed the game, I'm like, yeah, I enjoyed the game. It was fun. You know what I mean? But like being upset with that, it's crazy. Like, I, a lot of it has really come from a push from gamers not being able to give themselves their own validation and the need to get it from everyone else. Like, you have this big push from, uh, stupidly, for gaming studios to make games that are more like movies, like narratively, like an only hiring people with TV and film backgrounds. You have a big push of trying to make things equivalent to the Oscars. Kate, it's elevated horror. Or no, we go Oscars, we go oh elevated horror. God. That, that's essentially what's happening in gaming and so like it becomes a big thing because these people are looking for constant validation everywhere like yeah personally which, which is again is, is i would love a playstation 5 i got nothing against a console it's great hardware those games look really fun i'd love to play them also when your fans tell me to go die and kill myself consistently don't really want it it's and it's bonkers as well because it's very like an us versus them mentality but like i i don't understand like for again me personally looking from the outside in like i can see the benefits of the xbox i like both machines came out like roughly the same time and i was like wow this is a really tough decision they both look really yeah. awesome and like they both have great pros and you know like great machines like it's good for the gaming industry i was like wow this is awesome and then i you get further into it like oh oh this, Every, everybody crazy. just needs to grab a beer, smoke a joint, and play your video game and leave everybody else on the internet alone. Because I promise you nobody cares about it as much. Granted, I did just go off on a tirade, but this year was very intense. <laughs> and this year sucked. It would so just I be like, like a, in, in essence, it would just be nice to see, like, you know, the big games are always going to be big games, but like, it would be nice to see some nuance approach towards like how these things get nominated as far as like are they actually really good games all right excellent well that was our topics from the week of some of the things that we've been interested in like i said it's been a quiet week we had a bit of a week off but those are the things that kind of caught our attention but now it's time to fully turn our perspectives over to pokemon uh scarlet and violet and getting into the discussion of uh whether or not you know, a fun game should outweigh a broken game. So obviously we've had the release of Pokemon and it's not quite really working as well as everyone's expecting. Now, I have not played it, but I am reliably informed by people on the internet, which is always a good source to go to, uh, from lots of videos that this thing is buggy as hell. Now, Matt and Kate, you own the game. What's been <laughs> your experience so far? The mountains move like quicksand as yes. you run by them. <laughs> yeah, they give me headaches uh, from doing <laughs> oh, that. Oh my! It's really hard. It's really hard to watch. It's a weird visual perspective. Um, so I, my first thing right out of the gate. So I want to preface, preface this by like we kind of know Pokemon. I don't know if Kate, you said you haven't played a Pokemon. I, no, I've never played yeah, a Pokemon. I play, I played some of the Pokemon game, but it's been like years, probably over a decade. Never owned a Switch. For those of you listening to the other podcast, you know all this. Blah blah blah. Anyways, the point being of. Kate and I are like, we're going to do the Pokemons. Let's do the Pokemons. We did the Pokemons, and my first reaction was that meme going, oh my gosh, you all live like this? Because it was very much of like, <laughs> wow. 
this has uh, got a lot of issues in the very much of like, this is the most popular franchise in the world is this game. This Which is, is, is crazy because they, they brought out a considerable number of games. So you, you obviously had like the Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Then you had, uh, was it Sword and Shield? Yes. Well, apparently they've been on a game a year, which we'll kind of probably get into of like, this game was clearly rushed. It was clearly unfinished. There's clearly graphical errors, technical errors. The mountains move like quicksand. <laughs> um, frame rate also, drop. Like, the developer, the developer Game Freak has been working on Pokemon since the Inception. I was like, since the Inception of yeah. Pokemon? Uh, yeah. Um, and so there's obviously all these issues... And it's very bad in a lot of ways. And to be completely honest, the other big thing that I noticed, which we'll kind of probably dive a little bit more into here, <clears throat> of that of like, there's just a lot of basic features that come with games. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, there's not a filter, like, in Pokemon, or like, even, like, sorting, and like, filtering. They're missing basic, like, you know, like, that stuff, like, and just general, like, just general, like, things that I'm used to custom in the games, whether it's I was, audio... I was going to say, you know, I remember playing Pokemon back in the day on, like, the Game Boy, and <laughs> sorting's a very, like, fundamental, like, thing of that, especially when you've got, like, a huge catalogue of Pokemon or, like, multiple yeah, types and, of the same one. Like, yeah, you can, like, you can't even... I mean, you can, I guess you can, like, search, but you can't, like, filter, you can't sort, especially in the little box, and there's even looking through stuff in the Pokedex. There's just a lot of, like... Trying to find information can be very difficult and understanding like the basics of things and even just what everything does, they kind of do a little bit of it, but it's very much of a, what are we doing here in a lot of ways? I mean, there's some other features that I'll probably talk about that I'm very confused about, um, but I'll let Kate get into some of her stuff with the first part here. Um, so for me, like I have never played Pokemon before, but I love fat, cute things. So like Squishmallows, totally my jam, my entire Poke Party all squishmallow looking creatures that's what i've been collecting um but my like i have decided not to engage with this game on any sort of deep level because it is too annoying and so i'm there to run around collect pokemon and like go into terra battles because of their dumb little hats every now and again whenever i'm playing like co-op but that's pretty much it and like half of that is like it is a fun game to play but, like, I have been playing Dreamlight Valley over playing Pokemon because, like, I get, I'm somebody who gets really frustrated when things don't work the way they are supposed to. And so I know that if I attempt to get, quote unquote, deeper into Pokemon, I'm not going to have a good time with how the game is designed. Like, I'm not going to bother um, sorting my boxes. I'm not going to bother making a living Pokedex. I'm not going to bother trying to, like breed and like stuff like that i'm just not going to because the idea of breeding a pokemon and then having to just leave my switch afk and like okay can't do anything for a while now not something that sounds appealing so it's one of those where it's like i have had an immense amount of fun but i am actively in choosing to not engage with your gain game at the full level that i probably should be to get my money's worth, essentially. And that's something that I'm noticing is, is bothering me. Yeah, I mean, and I think for us, it's been a difference because we kind of have new and Aaron, you're like maybe a potential customer or whatever else versus people who've been playing because people are like, 
there's a lot of upgrades that they've kind of done and doing stuff. Like, it's not a game on rails, and you can kind of go open world cool. But also, it doesn't work well because they don't actually level scale any of the gems. And they kind of don't really give you the path, which is fine. But if there's no different path, then you end up... Like, for me, I was 20-plus levels above, like, a gym I fought because I didn't know. And I'm like, it's a cool concept, but it's not integrated well. The customization is terrible. I wear the same two, same shorts and the same shirt because that's about all you can wear. Um, which, which, I, which I guess is interesting. I guess, you know, given they've rushed the game, what their intention yeah. was or what their expectation was for... Because you, you know, Pokemon's a huge franchise. It's it been is. Well, I mean, the funny thing time. is, this game also, is just like really quick. One small thing: How does Animal Crossing have more skin tone variation than a Pokemon game? It's how there's not, there's not much. There's Ouch. Not there's no. There were three. There's pink, kind of was in the sun, and dark. That's it. Yeah, it's it's not good. And it's not even like dark dark. It's like what somebody from East Asia considers dark. It, it's it's not good but no and obviously some of this doesn't quite go with the performance of like the general bugs and issues we've seen because that's been thing there's been nothing like completely groundbreaking but there's just a lot it feels like there's a lot missing and then yeah like it's not game breaking it is just little annoyances piled up over time and there's yeah. definitely like actual issues of like sh- there's no shiny pokemon there's no audio cues or visual cues anymore so it's like what are we doing here um, I was gonna say, and that that stuff like you've you've come to expect, and those little annoyances they add up. Yeah. And again, for a franchise of this size, it, it's hard to believe they've kind of let some of this stuff slip. Because, like you said, Kate, like it's fun if you just go into it, but it's also hard because you have a fan base that's been with you for a long time and played these games and been really invested in them, and then to deliver this feels massively cheap. Pokemon is literally still, still the highest grossing media franchise. But but the better part is this game is actually the highest grossing game as it passed Splatoon already for in Where Japan. was the money? Where it was did all pre- it go? To be fair, a lot of the pre-orders, oh, where the money go? I have no, no idea. No, 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 yeah, yeah, where no. That I money, meant, where I did it go That one's a pockets or game. something. I have no idea on that. But no, it was it, definitely, it was one of the highest pre-order games definitely for this as people were coming off and then obviously buying, uh, I don't know, man. I worry. I worry from the um, the executive for like almost like financial level what kind of precedent that sets. As far as like, do we really need to, to like no, to no, fully finish a game? I guess like, that's been well, one of my going to buy it anyway. Like, no, so that's been my problem of like, you all live like this, and you're kind of like telling me how like this is great or this is fun, and I'm like cool, but this is like clearly broken the amount of times i've had somebody say well that's just how pokemon is i'm like why are you not asking for better yeah they have money <laughs> they literally have all of the money please sir <laughs> and it, it's just it, it's frustrating because like this is where we get into the issues of like performance versus like performance versus fun and like how you view it as somebody who is just playing the game versus somebody who is having to critique the game in like a critical sense for like reviews and everything like that because if i read or if i if i if i am doing the work to go find reviews of video games i am doing it to find out what i'm getting into and so for me that includes knowing hey did you play this with the game one patch hey are things broken hey how does the multiplayer go like those are the things that i think about and 
ultimately what it breaks down to is if I am critiquing this game as a crit, if I, if I'm looking at this game as a critic, like it, it doesn't get anywhere close to a 10. It doesn't get anywhere close to a game of the year because it is just so broken and people deserve to know how badly it runs. Like I have an OLED, which is like the, like the newest switch and like the clearest picture and it, I cannot play it handheld. I have to play it on my Upswitch Orion, which is like an 11 inch screen on my computer because it doesn't, like if you play it on an OLED, you can see every jagged pixel line and ev everything renders so much worse. So I, ha I, I refuse to play it handheld and I refuse to play it on one of our nice TVs. And Matt can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, so I, put, I played handheld at first. I was lazy. And then I decided to finally put it dock it and play on my TV. And it got 10 times worse. It looks awful. Oh my God. Like it looks like an N64 to GameCube game. And it probably runs worse than some of those N64 to GameCube games. And to be fair, yes. like, it doesn't need to look like this super realism stuff, but also, like... Yeah. And I think what gets Pokemon me is, Pokemon shouldn't like, be I, invisible. Well, but I also think that that's what gets me, is, like, if if you've read any of, like, my game reviews on the site, like, I routinely review, like, cute little indie puzzlers on the Switch. Like, they're games put together by, like, maybe a team of two like maybe sometimes five they're really vibrant they're gorgeous worlds and they're put together in a way and it looks beautiful like i just played uh was it harmonies odyssey harmonies odyssey or harmon's odyssey yeah gorgeous game gorgeous game and like and that's not a super realistic style it's highly it's it's um it's hyper stylized really smooth edges, really cartoony. And one of the things that bugs me is like, there isn't a 3D realistic animation or nothing. Like it is just asking Pokemon to be within its own genre and do it without, you know, like looking haunted. Rendering is very we bad in this game. Um, well, I was going to say, and it, it's crazy as well, because then from my aspect as well as a parent of three children who are absolutely in love with pokemon and have been for years um and it's leading up to the holiday period where people are looking to parents are looking to buy video games like so you're the, looking at those reviews and you're like mm, I'll so the crazy else. thing a lot of people too like they were ignoring this and you're like nine out of ten nine so, out so, of ten so games. the weird thing we have two things so one the funny thing we have is the argument's also been this is a kids game, which is also still weird for like the purpose. Your kids deserve quality. But but two things: of one, this is a kids game, so we can ignore it. So like, Aaron, I believe your kids are gonna enjoy this game. To be completely honest, they might have some fun looking at some weird stuff going on, but they probably will have fun. And oh, so my but, kids have zero patience for bugs. Then yeah, no but patience. like I said, that's the weird thing because it's just like weird, like glitches and clipping and rendering stuff and it's not like game break i mean there is some crashes but it's like for the most part it's just like random technical running badly versus like you know you lost three hours of your work it's you not know? cyberpunk yeah. in which it just completely shuts off and craters 25 hours of gameplay but like it's still annoying and i think that over time like games are not cheap no and nintendo games no. don't go on sale and yeah. so I, I, I think that it is very, because I think about it with movies too, when I review movies, when I re review games, there is the personal aspect as in, did I have fun with this? And do I think that I would play it again or keep playing it? 
um, or watch it again, recommend it, that type of stuff. But then there's also the like, is this worth the money that I'm putting into it? And to be honest, like if I have to section myself out as a fan, I think this game is extremely fun. I love playing it with Matt. I love talking about Pokemons. I love finding new Pokemon. But like I have also resigned myself to doing nothing intense in this game at all. I'm not going to catch them all. And you know what? It sucks that I had to just resign myself to that as somebody who has like collected Pokemon cards as a kid. Like I was excited for this one. But at the same time, like, I if I if I'm happy I didn't have the task of reviewing it because I probably would have given it something like maybe a six, just because of how badly it runs. So the review section was funny because one, when the embargo broke, ours came a few days after our reviews up there. I think about, but it turned into, um, like they're met like we had a one a lot of places actually. A lot of larger outlets actually reserve their reviews. I don't even sure if some of them even have still have their reviews up yet. Have they finally done it or not? Just because of like how many issues, patches, and trying to get access to things that they actually took a lot of timer. Which, which is both if you're is good, not aware, bad. you can publish reviews in progress where you write everything you have for the point you're at in the game and then finish it once you roll credits. Correct. Um, obviously, it's all SEO based, but that's another yeah. whole ordeal. Um, but the point being of, so they did hold, so, but like seeing of like Pokemon had like technical issues to whatever, I was like, oh crap, I'm gonna go read because I usually don't read a lot of reviews and especially don't for Pokemon because in the day they just always, it's Pokemon, it's fun, just a kid game, expectations super low. Like that is a weird way to live, but sure. Um, and so it happened in that, and to be fair, at least some of the fewer ones I saw, they did talk a lot about the technical issues and they did a very good job of it. Um, the other issue kind of we have is in the day, I think as of right now, I'd have to check to see, and I don't think there's anyone to look up, like the last I saw, it still was 77 out of 100 on Metacritic, which puts it just under an 8 out of 10. And to put that in perspective, that might be higher than some of these that were actually nominated for Game of the Year. I don't think it Which did. is really surprising. It almost like feels like it's carrying pre-existing weight with it. It's just like, because it's a franchise game, it's yeah. Pokemon, you know what I mean? There's a... There's a certain level of like goodwill of what's come before yeah. it. Like, oh yeah, it's a Pokemon game, but it's kind of like, okay, but what's different about this game? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, I think that there is, I think that across, across everything, across game development, people hold different game studios to different standards. And I think they hold different franchises to different standards. And I think when you look at how people came into Pokemon and even just like the world, like I have like complained about a Pokemon or seen Matt complain about a Pokemon and then somebody's just been like, well, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. And it's like, just crazy. this is annoying. Like, th this is annoying. Like, this is an annoying thing. It's, it's not okay that this is like this, especially for a game coming from a studio that has worked on the game since it started for the highest grossing media franchise of all time. To be like, fair, there are, uh, as of right now on Metacritic, it is a 76. There are actually two reviews that have it as 100. <laughs> Which literally the, the pull quote is... I would like to of, speak to those reviews. The, the funny thing is if one of the pull quotes starts with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, technical problems and lackluster multipliers unable to overshadow its triumph leap into open world. <laughs> I'm like, but you literally just said it had technical problems. Which, again, how can you give it a 10? It's not there, how that works. You know, <laughs> some days I wish I could turn off my brain 
to have the level of sweet bliss that comes with having no standards. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's, but no. <laughs> I, so like to kind of get back to the thing of like the fun stuff, the first game, like kind of when it comes to like, you're talking about different standards, because I do think like we treat company differently. Um, is I, the first game that came to my mind was Ghost Recon Breakpoint that came out probably about two years ago. Um, I think we all reviewed it. That's what it was. Wait, it was very glitchy. It didn't really have too many gra- groundbreaking glo- uh, bugs. Um, it game was breaking. Ki- game break. Excuse me. Uh, ground groundbreaking. You know, ground broke. Um, but game breaking bugs. You know, it was fun to play co-op, just, you know, when messing around. It was so fun to play co-op. Yeah, Playing but, co-op made the, the helicopter disappearing and someone driving so much yeah, better. But, but the point being, of to get to there, of like, and it was, the funny thing was, it was just like the predecessors, you know, like, they didn't change much. They did an add-on, you know, because it, for some reason they were pumping out Ghost Recons, like they were a Pokemon now, for whatever reasons. But the point being of, that game has like a 60 on Metacritic, and people talked about it being the most broken, terrible game. And obviously we do other examples, but this was just recently a thing. And I'm like, but that game was a lot of fun. And obviously those are two different types of games, you know, mm-hmm. so whether you like shooters or not, blah, blah. But it came to with like, and I remember Kate asked me one time when we were doing the stuff of like, you had a lot of fun, why'd you rate it low? And I'm like, because... One, what's the difference between the previous game? And two, the game's half broken. Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah. And, and I think the weird thing is seeing the reaction of that versus what we've seen with Pokemon of like, oh, I value fun over performance. And to be fair, that's in a lot of cases okay. Yeah. Um, but it does come into the technical aspect of like, and I think the problem we talked about like a lot of this part on the show of, of some of these topics of problem is, it sounds great in theory, but now we live in 2022 high end game capitalism where we've learned if consumers accept bad things, we get worse things. Yeah. And so, and I guess that's... Standards just keep getting yeah, lower. Yeah, and they keep getting lower and lower, and we keep getting okay and okay, and pretty soon you don't even have an, a headphone jack on your phone, and now you're telling people you're just dumb for expecting that. Um, but the point being of, like, because companies are getting quote-unquote smarter or greedier in doing that, it's kind of like... I think if this game came out 20 years ago, I'm okay in doing a little better. But I know now, like, what is the incentive based on the sales, based on the reception, based on the protective thing? But to be fair, come more just in a general aspect, because if you do look at the average consumer, especially if you go to, like, a Reddit or something, it gives you probably more thing, people are very upset. Uh, but what is the incentive to get better? Um, because in the day, dollars is the only incentive to get better. And like we've talked about uh, with other well, franchises... Once a dollar meets whatever it needs to, why do I care? Well, exactly, and they're, they're the decision makers of the, t- the company, those executives and, you know, the finance levels. As long as the money's rolling in, everything's good. Yeah. They really don't care, and again, it sets a worrying precedent. It's kind of like, well, what's the incentive? Like, we just roll out as quick as we can. Yeah, and I think we'll that, like, fix the... it afterwards. And for and some people, because that... I've talked to Go people ahead. who've been playing Pokemon franchise for a while, and they say there are some improvements on this game, like the whether it's the open world or some of the other stuff. But also, it's missing a lot of features from other games. It's also just generally stuff that, like, it feels like the game is, like, 10 years behind where it should be in the actual industry standards of, like, stuff. Whether it's from an accessibility standpoint of just general cues, whether it's just from, like, a graphic standpoint or just running performance, obviously, for this game explicitly, but also just generally what you're doing in the video game. Like, it feels like a 2005 game, if not earlier. Yeah, and I think, like... And I think for me, like, when we stop and we kind of look at a lot of the stuff, my biggest thing is that 
I, I think if you're a fan, like, I can understand the fans getting mad and stuff or whatever, and then the fans, like, defending it. But I think when you're somebody who has, like, some weight in driving buying power, you should be really honest with the type of technical experience somebody is getting. Like, you may think that a fun game is a good game, but you also have to you have to quantify that that performance element too because if you don't you're not doing your job of setting expectations and actually reviewing something accurately and then i think that you also run into the other problem is like everybody's because game freak's name is an ubisoft or sony everybody's treating it like it's an indie like i have seen the words game freak is an indie studio or game freak is a small indie studio so many times <laughs> And I'm like, they're not, though. Now, if you want to talk how, like, literally Arceus came out this year, too, and they worked on that one, and then, like, they had Sword and Shield right before it, and maybe they're overextended and shouldn't be working that much, yeah, you can talk about that. But don't change the facts of what it is to try and bolster your argument. A bad game came out. A technically unsound game, game came out maybe focus on the fact that it came out that way and like see if mr nintendo will change working conditions maybe <laughs> do that maybe push for change and don't just say so the it's weird fine. part so the weird part about this to be honest is and why i probably focus a little bit more on game freak at this point than nintendo nintendo is delayed you know, Breath of the Wild now That's twice. Too. It's, it's been Nintendo's quite a few been, delays. Yeah, they've been quite a few delays. Why did this not get delayed? Yeah. So obviously, some people say the show, which I guess is fine, but that one to me is like when people say Nintendo, I'm kind of like, I get it, but also like That's Nintendo's fair. actually been delaying games. Why did well, this one slip through? I think also one of the different things too is like when you look at like publisher inter like intervention, like publisher intervention should happen like more often. And if I'm speaking out of turn, I'm speaking out of turn. But, like, when I think about, like, how development studios are often stopped by their publishers or adjusted for, like, additional publi publisher schedules, like, I don't know. I think if Nintendo realizes that people are mad enough times and we just don't accept it, they'll probably step in. Because, like, as bad, like, we saw the detriment that Ubisoft had for putting out an Assassin's Creed every six months. Yeah. It was really bad. And yes. they kept doing it until the sales tanked the review scores tanked and like assassin's creed became something that you avoided because of how much they ran the franchise into the ground and it took completely overhauling and rebuilding to get it back into being a good name and dropping that tight crunch driven development schedule maybe you should not be like it's fine to be fun and be like hey these people clearly aren't doing what they're like what needs to be doing to meet industry standard it's probably because they're putting out a new pokemon every year maybe they should rest and we as consumers should be like it's fine i will rather you wait two years for a new pokemon game instead of pushing you to put out another one consumers it's capitalism consumers yeah. drive it well, and I, I think, like you said to your point as well, like, just being okay that knowing criticism is okay. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't have to be this, like, you're complaining for complaining's sake. You're complaining because it's clear and obvious that there is issues that need to be called out and addressed. And it's okay to do that. Like, oh, yeah. it might, like you said, it might still be fun, but like, hey, it hard to move past and some of these things so i've I learned about the word fun and i've talked about this for years <laughs> thing 
Fun is just uh, basically a way of saying to excuse bad things. And the number one thing I remember is Justice League. Everybody kept saying, it's a fun movie, even though it was a dumpster fire. And I'm like, but fun does not excuse everything else. And so when I, people, fun has become a word where I understand. If somebody says this is fun, it's probably because it's pretty bad, but you can have bad It's almost things. like synonymous with like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, oh, well, fine. like you can have, you can have things that are like, a, like from a technical standpoint, bad. But also really fun at the same time. And sometimes that's okay. But you still have to acknowledge that it is bad. Yeah, I, I was going to say Batman go, go. and Robin. I am a trash can when it comes to media. <laughs> Batman and Robin is one of my favorite Batman movies. I will always stand by that. And it irks Matt to no end. But I love it. <laughs> and I watch it at least once a year. It is a trash can, garbage fire, horrible movie. It's so fun. And so that's why like, they that's why they killed that franchise they did and then now i have or that, that cat, or and that's that. all i care about yeah. i don't know what we're gonna do moving forward because it has been pumping out pokemons um and like crazy i the one thing i do know because we had sword and shield and this is also probably with the new problems of my perspective of games is i've been picking games that i know are going to get supported and i know are going to get dlc and get patches and while they kind of shown that in Sword and Shield and then Arcadis or whatever, how much are we going to get in this game now that this is apparently in worse shape than those two? Yeah. Because, one, I would like poor... And I guess that's a thing, too, of like... And obviously it could be... An, which kind of feels like Pokemon in general at this point after playing this game. It just all feels like an outdated model. Everything just feels yeah. outdated. Like the the sales model we need to... I mean, to be fair, kind of also hard to argue when Call of Duty just keeps pumping out stuff every single year and well i was gonna say like it's it's i mean you know as a just getting into gaming again after so many years out and buying stuff from a kid the price points on some of this stuff and then to hear it's not even like operating fully or like it's it's buggy i'm like well how am i paying like that much money for then a brand new game that doesn't differentiate itself from previous games and then comes with you know, issues as well. It's just a oh, real hard swallow. Yeah. yeah, and I think, like, to kind of just end this all, is, like, I don't hate this game. I think it's fun. But I have never played a Pokemon game before because I haven't had the time to dedicate to it. And I got laid off. It sucked. But I was so excited for Pokemon because I was like, I have time. I can get into Pokemon now. I can catch them all. And I was really <laughs> excited. And I was even more excited that I could do it when it came to co-op. Like, Matt and I have been talking about this game and been excited for this game for a while. And so when I get it, and, like, being somebody who is frustrated by things that don't work correctly... Like, I will just shut it off. If I get stuck on a light pole and I can't move, I'm not restarting my game. I am shutting it off entirely and coming back, like, a couple of days later. Look, the game I, reset I me Look, the game reset me by myself without me having to reset it. Okay. Okay. That's good. But, like, I, I just, I can't do that. I'm not a patient person. And it, I see that not because I'm mad, but, like, I'm just sad. Like, I wanted to get into pokemon i really did and like it gets frustrating too when like existing fans are just kind of like oh well that's just how it is or that's just there and I'm like okay 
I guess it's all in my head. Like, I guess I'm the wrong one for wanting standards or I'm the one wrong, the wrong one for, like, wanting to be more involved. But it's like, no, I'm not more involved because your game sucks. And so I just run around and collect little blobby thingies. But anyway, if you are, if you own the game, I guess, if you've been playing it, let us know your thoughts. We We would like to know what you think of uh pokemon uh scarlet and violet tell and me it, it... why you live like this <laughs> kate needs to know she cannot sleep until you tell her but let us know if you want to uh join in the discord if you want to message us on twitter we'd love to hear your opinions um all right let's get into some of the content that we've been watching this week that we think you should be watching kate tell the people what they need to know. Yeah, so I just want to take a moment to say that Chainsaw Man is the best anime of the year um, and that you can listen to my interviews with the cast, in, with the English voice cast, including an exclusive with Ryan Cole-Levy, uh, who is the voice of Denji, our best boy and protagonist, up on our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, I've also watched Wednesday, got a review up for that, it's not the Adams family that you're used to or expect, but it's really fun and it's really good. And I don't say fun in the Pokemon way. I say fun. <laughs> we have to clarify in, the level of I, fun now, the definition of what I we're say going fun for. as in it captures like a really goth, chaotic spirit that like hits like that young adult itch that I have when it comes to watching that type of stuff. And Jenna Ortega as Wednesday is going to inspire an entire generation of goth girls the same way Christina Ricci as Wednesday did for me. That's awesome. So with Chainsaw Man, I have to know, and maybe I'll start watching it just so I found out the story. Does he does he touch does he touch a booby yet? He does. He has touched He does. A, he touches a boob in episode four. He gets the titty. I'm so I'm there's so emotion Matt, don't don't look like that. There's emotional resonance to touching the boob. It's it's good. It's important. <laughs> I feel like I need to watch this now just to understand the context of this whole thing. I was forced to watch an episode. It was fine. It was, was it fun? It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode. It's fun. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What have you been watching this week? So I don't watch anything in these days. Um, obviously, I'm playing Pokemon. But what I've really been playing outside for Pokemon and the best probably. Probably my favorite game of the year so far is Victoria 3. It's just a historical uh, fork game where you start in 1836, you pick a country, last nation, and you run to 1936 and you do whatever you want and they kind of follow, sometimes on not really on rails, but they have like historical moments that happen and they kind of form and sometimes it just goes off the rails of whatever happens. In which, um, one, this game has very intricate, very complex, also has general issues. Um... Definitely, quote-unquote, a lot of fun, depending on what you are. Um, definitely in a lot better condition of what it's doing. But considering how much is in this game, you understand some of it. But, um, yeah, it's a very economic simulator with war and does a lot of historical things where it's just great learning. One, I find a lot of these games, and one of these days we will eventually do the podcast on imperialism and colonization and other stuff dealing with Forex games and all the stuff and how you come clearly learn not only historical things but also radicalization of like oh my gosh these things are terrible it's but time also to these, burn the landlords yeah, it's time to burn the landlords or just the general realization of like why can't i find any rubber or oil 
why do I have to go colonize Africa to go do this? And you're like, oh, now I get what happened in the 1800s shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But no, um, but no, I've been running Belgium. And then obviously my, my Haiti, which has been a lot of fun to play. And then I tried Australia, not doing well. Obviously, the fun thing, we start this episode of World Cup. This game is leading me back to try other nations back through World Cup um, to go try Australia again and or go back to Belgium or see what we can do with some of these smaller nations because it's a lot of fun and a lot of uh, definitely a lot of challenges and you can definitely burn out and go bankrupt really easy or you get conquered and lose um, and peaceful. But it's a lot of economics, that's a lot crazy. of spreadsheets, and a lot of... Uh, Knowing things. That's a de- that's dedicated involvement in that game. I'm no, it is. It is great. And like I said, obviously outside of learning things, but like unlike other things, like we've already had like three patches, and so that's the hard part. When I because re- I did review this game, like review these games of like sometimes these games do feel like early access games because they're constantly making. They put it out and like, what's the feedback? Now we're gonna patch it all. And so like we've already had three patches, probably even since I released the game, since I wrote my review. I think there was one that came out the day my review came out. You know, we got, like, they've already had a plan going. And so, like, this game's going to be supported for many, many years. And I've just become a big fan of that, which is kind of the weird part. Like, I try to go back to traditional, like, Pokemon or just buy a game. And then you buy it again next year. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I really like buying one game. And I'll buy some DLC if I need to. But, like, I like the constant support. And we get new content. There's, like, there's like a depth to it. Like, you yeah, can and keep keeps going. going through it. Now, eventually, it will, you get to a certain point where it's bad. Like, Anno. I'm not going to lie. I love Anno 1800. I kind of need a new Anno because they put so much content in that game. And for four years that I'm like, yo, they're, they're too much. My brain can't handle this. <laughs> but no, one day we will get the 4X discussion on po- games podcast. But today is not that there day. There you go. Stay tuned for that one. Uh, from my end, a uh, couple of specials and shows that I've been kind of watching that I've been really enjoying. Uh, as of when this podcast released, uh, you will... All have likely seen or seen released uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which is just, I I was going to say fun, and now I feel like I can't use that word because it's just tainted. Um, but it, it was really entertaining, really silly, uh, very James Gunn. Um, doesn't take itself seriously at all. all right, that's, the, that's the thing about fun. If you feel that what you're watching is worthy of something more than fun, you'll just say that. Fun is the uh, default. You can thing. justify it. If you if you can't justify it beyond yeah. fun, okay, all right, we've qualified it. Batman and Robin is campy. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but yeah, so with Guardians of the Galaxy, it's it's just silly. Uh, it's got some fun. Um, said it again. Some really entertaining original music in it. Uh, James Gunn paired up with uh, I think they're called the old old ninety sevens. Um, to create some original music for it, and it, it's just silly. It's I I'm really enjoying the Marvel like special presentations of some of the stuff they're doing. It's just different. Um, kind of borders between like having to be this huge cinematic event versus like the TV shows where they're just like dragging along with the narratives. Uh, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, I think if you haven't watched it, take a look. If you don't know, go check out my review. Uh, sticking on the holiday theme, I also watched Spirited on Apple TV Plus, and man, that that is just crazy. It's it's just, I mean, it's tough as well. Good like, crazy or bad? I was like, crazy. is that good? Because it, that one, I haven't figured out whether people like that or don't like that. It sounds unhinged. It does sound unhinged, but I haven't figured out whether people like the unhinged. Or it no. it is unhinged, and I think the musical aspect and element they lean into it very hard, and I wasn't prepared for that 
piece of it. But the music is so catchy. It's so good. And the 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 choreography for it, like the lyrics for it, like it, it's good and it's silly. And the humor, I thought, really landed. Um, but I can definitely see an element of it where if you're not a fan of Will Ferrell or if you're not a fan of Ryan Reynolds, it, it's that similar type of comedy. Although I did feel like Will Ferrell was considerably toned down compared to some of his other films. You see, you see sometimes comes across as a bit much. He's a lot less in this. And I was surprised even with the ending. The ending was a bit more emotional than I was expecting. I didn't think it would land. And I, it, it caught me. I so It might just be me. Something about holiday films and when they have an emotional ending, it, it good punches me, man. I don't, I, I don't how many Hallmark that. movies have you watched? None. <laughs> I, <laughs> Lots I, of I holiday am, films, I no really, Hallmark. I am, I am really, in, I really enjoyed the he's a lot, but he wasn't much in this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> It, well, yeah, he, I mean, you it's Will Ferrell. Like, you've seen some of his movies. He goes so over the top. He really leans yeah. in. He doesn't in this one. It, it's surprising. Like, he's he's not the unhinged, over-the-top actor in this. So it's, it's, it, it was surprising. Um, it's good, though. It's good fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I recommend watching it if you're looking for a holiday theme that's something new because you tend to get the, the whole, you know, recycled holiday films around this time of year. Uh, but something very different, I did watch uh, Gangs of London, and this one is just insane. Uh, Kate, have you watched season one of Gangs of London I've yet? I have started. I have okay. started, and it's really good. It's just bonkers. And season two continues that that same. It actually raises the bar considerably, and I wasn't prepared for it. Gareth Evans is so good. I mean... These two seasons, and I, you know, obviously did the raid, and I, did he do the raid too as well? Was he attached to the sequel one? Uh, I don't know. I think he did something on it, but I don't know if he did the actual thing itself. I mean, the man's delivering some great content. It's just, and it's not just the violence; it's the choreography of the violence and how it really mm. aids the story, and even just the the cinematography behind it. Like he's so involved, and it's so creative that it's not just a fight scene. Like everything is a is another level on it, and it's so fun. It's just so cool to watch. Like it's really, really engaging. And at least season one and season two, every fight scene's very unique, and you know the location and the style of fighting. And it, it, oh my god, it, it's just fantastic. Um, if you're in the US, it's on AMC Plus. Highly recommend you go get that just for a month and just binge through it. Um, season two, I believe, is a weekly drop, but you can go through and binge season one. Uh, I, be- I think in the UK, it's already out on Sky. Uh, I'm not sure where it is around the rest of Europe or the world. So, but yes, very, very, very good. Um, and also Andor. Andor just dropped its finale um, as of last week when this podcast went out. Uh, we did do a video review on YouTube uh, with myself, uh, CJ and Adrian and we waxed lyrically on that one because it's just so so good. Did you get to watch the finale, Kate? Yes. Very good. Yes. Are you inspired to fight fascism? No. I thank you everyone for your contributions. I think that was a really, really good episode. And that's our show for the week as well. So if you've been listening this far, thank you so much. We always appreciate uh you following along. Uh, don't forget to drop us a like, subscribe, retweet, review, uh, whatever we can get, we will absolutely take. We love your feedback. 
Uh, make sure to check out the site, uh, our YouTube channel, Twitch. Uh, and if you want to keep the conversation going, you can always find us in the But Why Though Discord, chatting about the latest in pop culture news and currently lots of World Cup as well. Kate, that link is... Discord.gg slash But Why Though. B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at But Why Though PC. And we'll see how long... <laughs> See how long we're all on Twitter at this point. It's it's a daily guessing game for where we are. And speaking of social medias, Kate, where can the lovely people find you? Um, you can find me at Oh My Mithrandir on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am on Hive at the same username, but like, Twitter's not dead yet, so I'm I'm <laughs> on Hive in spirit. <laughs> um. And I've been your host, Aaron. You can find me at British CPA on Twitter and Instagram. And I am also on Hive. I am trying to give it a genuine push on there every now and again. But like Kate said, Twitter's still alive and I still kind of like it. So I'll still mostly be there. Um, but you can find all my writing on the But Why Those site and find me featured on some of the Twitch and YouTube reviews. And if that's not enough, you can always find me lurking about in the But Why Though Discord if you've got questions or want to say hi. How about you, Matt? Let's go England. Come on, England. Also, I am not on Hive.